And now, now, it's the Mike Kelter Show. It is 8.05 on the Mike Kelter Show. It's 102.5 The Bone. In the studio with us, you'll get to see a great band tonight, the Lords of 52nd Street. They're at the Capitol Theater. Tickets are uh, on sale, and I would not wait to walk up. I would go to RuthEckerHall.com and buy them. The show is tonight at the uh, Capitol in Clearwater. And uh, Liberty DeVito is here with us. Liberty is the former drummer for the Billy Joel Band, but has played with a lot of bands over the years. Well, yeah, yeah, Joe, turn that on. Well, yeah, there's an on-off button on it right there. Huh? Sorry, well, I just was trying to tell Liberty off the other. We're still experimenting with the guest mic. Yeah, I, there you go. I didn't realize there was an on-off yeah, switch sorry. on the mic. Um, no, I'm a drummer. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. drummer. <laughs> we don't use on-off switches. So right, right. Just I understand. on all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you say, uh, uh, how did you introduce it? Well, formerly? Uh, formerly of the Billy Joel yeah, band, I, but has played with everybody. Yes, but w- w- what I say is, and and it after me and Billy parted ways, it saved my neck when somebody told me, he goes, no, you don't say formally anymore. Oh. You say, you're the guy that Billy Joel chose to help create those unforgettable records uh, and <laughs> amazing tours. Right, That's my bad, I, my bad. I'll, I'll remember that for next time. Yeah. So so uh, one of the things that I found interesting in watching, I think it was the Hired Gun documentary, is that, you know, these guys, Billy and, and that error, were such Beatles fans, and they still still love Paul McCartney, still love the opportunity to play with a Beatle and all that. When you had the opportunity, or, or uh, Billy had the opportunity, I think it was to work with George Martin, didn't he want Billy to hire a new band? Yeah. And Billy was. said, no, I got a band. He was going to produce the album, uh, which eventually became a Stranger album. Right. And um, George Martin came out to see us play, and he said, yeah, I want to work with you, Billy. And uh, he says, but I want to use studio musicians in the studio. And Billy said, love me, love my band, and right. turned them down. That's a very, I mean, I, that's hard to do because you have such a love for the Beatles and hear an opportunity to work with one of the best producers in the history of music. Right. And to, to be as loyal as you are to the band and believe in the band, but yet later on to make a complete 180. And leave you guys in the dust. Well, the question always was, was when did it go from love me, love my band to get the hell out of my dressing room? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you know, I have worked with groups of people over the years, and I'm very much a, 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 I believe in loyalty and at least honesty with the people who I know I'm lucky. I know I'm here because of the people around me. So you should have the respect for them. Somebody, I mean, we all know, so Billy went through this uh, situation where he was getting robbed by his management. Oh, yeah. Was he so blind with anger at that point that that is what we blame for this? Or was his ego out of control? Or was somebody in his ear going, you know, you don't need this, man? Well, that's what happens. People get in his ear and they say things. Um, The the situation with me was... uh, it was a he said, she said thing okay. while we parted ways uh, where he should have come up to me and said, is it true what somebody told me that you said? What was uh, it? Can you tell us? Or is it too I, private? It's, it's too private. Okay. It's but, a personal thing or yeah. a talking thing, a rumor thing? Somebody said something in a room that I was sitting in. Okay. And instead of coming to you and saying, is it Did true? Did you say that? that? Yeah. yeah. He, or I should have stopped his car in his driveway and said, what's going on here? But we didn't because we're both hardheads and, and, and you know. So what I did, though, was I wrote a book. By the way, did you say it? No, I didn't okay. say it. <laughs> Actually, my ex-wife was the one that said it. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so um, uh, I wrote a book, and I could have thrown a lot of people under the bus, because yeah. I was really pissed off after all that happened. Sure. But I didn't. I kind of tried to look through, at life through Billy Joel's shoes, standing in Billy Joel's shoes. You See know? what he has to deal with. 
Yeah, yeah. the man's had a career for over 50 years, and, um, you know, sometimes you have to part ways with people. It's hard. But there's a right way to do it. Uh, there is a right, right way, way to do it. It made me and, very angry when I watched the uh, the, the gun documentary to hear you talk about it. Yeah. And to find out that you you were hearing about it on the radio, that Billy was going on another tour, and he didn't even have the decency to call you. And right. I'm very, well, you're a Brooklyn guy, right? Yes. I'm a Staten Island guy. I, I'm an Italian. I have, a, I have very much a, when I don't, when I have a problem with you, I will come up to you and I will say to you in a nice way, I will say, this is why I'm mad at you. Is this true? Is it? It, it makes my life better. I can right. sleep better at night. And I would think that somebody that was that loyal to me for all these years and responsible for uh, some of my success, I'd have the decency to say to them, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. Right. And yeah. that's got to hurt a lot. It, it, did, it did hurt because I didn't know. I didn't have closure. I went and met him in front of lawyers. His lawyers are my lawyers. Right. You know, people say I was suing him for royalties. I wasn't. It was the Internet stuff, you know, the... the um, inter- but suing him for royalties doesn't make you a bad person. You want no, what's owed to you. It was intellectual property, okay. those things. So, um, But when we met, I just met... When we finally ended the uh, conversation... He said to me, he said, you, you don't want my money. You're not here for my money. I said, no, I'm not. I'm just here because of what you did. Yeah. That's, I just want to know what happened. Right, right, right. You know? now, do you, now, when you hear this news that he's going out, do you have an opportunity to call him? Or do you just, are you so angry? You're like, no, I'm not. I'll, like, do you, like, I'd want to call him and go, what, what are we doing? What's going on here? But, you know. No, no. Um, he changes his number a lot. Okay, yeah, so he, yeah, yeah. I called the tour manager, the guy that, you know, was the connection. Right. The liaison between the two. Yeah. And they, they played dumb, you know. That's scummy business. It, it really, really is. is. It sucks. Yeah. So, so, uh, so now I'm in the mafia. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> guys are a lot nicer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at, the, at the entire time that you were on tour and doing albums and all this stuff, are you working with other artists at the time or are you now just, just Billy's guy? When I was working with Billy, yeah. Oh no, we um, I recorded with Paul McCartney. Yeah, yeah. You know, in the studio, did a Meatloaf record. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, All during those years. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Yeah, a lot of stuff. But but were you a big Beatles fan? Always. So when you get that call that you're going to play on Paul McCartney, I mean, is that the greatest thing in the world? Let me tell you something. They wouldn't tell me who it was. It oh, just really? said they have to come to the studio. So, said, you're well, doing, so they're just hiring you as a studio musician. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. and you have no idea who's going to look at the sheet music and play. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, no, sheet music. Well, whatever, I, don't, yeah. I don't read music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know. uh, I'm one of those musicians yeah. that never learned how to read. But, um, yeah, so on the way to the studio, uh, you know, now I finally find out it's Paul McCartney. I'm thinking, what does he want with me? He doesn't yeah. know who I am. He's a Beatle. You know what right. I'm saying? As soon as I get there, you know, we get there, set up the drums and everything. And the first one to walk in is, is his wife, Linda. Mm-hmm. She was right at the time. She points right at me and says, I know who you are. We've been watching the videos. Oh, She's really? Like, oh, my God. Mm. And then he walks in, and I'm telling you, the Red Sea party. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, That's Paul McCartney. I shook his hand. He said hi. I introduced myself to him, and I backed out of the studio and talked to myself and said, you have to calm down. You've got to compose yourself. <laughs> I was nuts. You could blow this nuts. whole gig right now. Yeah. Right now, you can blow it. Ringo was even worse. I met Ringo, and I said to Ringo, I said, you know, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. And he said, well, at least you're not blaming me for it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's settle this once for all. Galvin is back at the studio. Galvin is the drummer. Galvin and uh, we talk about this a lot. Ringo, great drummer or not a great drummer? Great, great, great. song drummer. Yes, song drummer. You know, it, it, it's you rate drummers. People love to rate drummers as great by how fast they play. Yeah, like. 
Right, right. Like, you know, I, right, I love my, my thing is, is he's technically not a great drummer. Like, if you put him against somebody like a Dave Weckl or somebody like that, he's technically not a great drummer. But you said it perfectly. Great for the song. He plays to the song, and he plays beats that people would not normally play, and that makes it interesting and stuff. So he was, he was perfect for the Beatles. Well, see, I always say, like, uh, if you put, you take you uh, 2 with Larry Mullen playing drums. Right. And then you take Buddy Rich. You put... Uh, Larry Mullen in Buddy Rich's big band, and you go like, it sucks. Man. Yeah, it's not it's gonna just work. sitting there. But you put Buddy Rich in U two, and it's like, oh, let's get out of here. This guy's overplaying. Yeah, it's yeah, driving yeah. me nuts. That's 100%. pretty funny. That's 100%. pretty funny. Uh, Liberty DeVito is here with us. I I was telling Liberty off the air that in the years that he was there, I must have seen you play live twenty times. I mean, I I was thinking so. I was pretty poor when I was a kid, so it wasn't really until like the '90s that I started being able to go to concerts. And I was living in Florida, but I flew back for a weekend, and uh, Billy Joel was playing Giant Stadium, maybe '91, '92, that kind of time. And the only tickets we can get were obstructed view behind the stage. Mm. And we're like, all right, we'll go. Well. They had no obstructive view. We were literally right above the band, right behind you. And I was like, this is great. What more do we need to see? And the band played till they... At that day, I realized there's two things that I would like to do that I don't think I'll ever have the opportunity to do. And I've done a lot. I've reached a lot of goals. One is I will never get a curtain call at Yankee Stadium. I will never hit a home run, and the crowd will cheer so hard for me that I have to come out and tip my hat. I've decided that I know that that will never happen. The other thing, which I still have a small chance of happening, is there is nothing more amazing to me than hearing 80,000 people sing your song together with no music. The first time I heard the crowded giant stadium sing Piano Man, a cappella, I thought, I can't even imagine what that must feel like. I wrote this song on a napkin somewhere, and 80,000 people are singing it to me. That's got to be wonderful. Oh, you know, it's funny. Every time we did that song, I, I used to look at Billy and I go, I can't believe you wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would imagine after doing it for a year or so, it's probably not as cool. But the first time that happens, I mean, just to see some, some you hear artists sometimes say, I see people singing my lyrics and the crowd makes me feel good. But the first time you can stop the band playing and just listen to 80,000 people. It it is it you get chills when it happens. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Yeah, yeah. Because usually when you're playing the songs, you know they're singing along with them. That's why when I used to mouth the words, when I used to, you know, yeah, you have to do the same drum fills. You have to do all because they're doing it right. in the crowd. You right, know? Right, right, if you don't do the drum fills, they're like, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now uh, the one thing that I've seen, I've, I've seen the show like twenty times with with your band and with different bands. The one thing to me that's awful is. I mean, those stage jokes at the same time every night, I can tell you what's coming up. I mean, nobody leans in and says, hey, mix it up a little bit, or maybe not say this again. We've been doing this joke for 20 years. Yeah, well, it's part of the act. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, so, it's so awful. Um, but it is it is uh, definitely... So now, so now, where do they find the new the new band? Like, how do you know who to trust and who to put these guys together? I mean, weren't they like a cover band or something? The band that Billy has now? Yeah. Yeah, they uh, did the play Moving Out with Billy. Okay. And, um, yeah, they, um, they're like a cover band. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty Actually, much the Lords of 52nd Street, you know, it's myself, Rich Canada, who played all those sax solos right. on, on scenes and rock and roll. Uh, Russell Javers, who's with the band for a very long time, Forever, yeah. did a bridge album. Um, and then we have a guy that does the Billy's parts. Okay. And bass, second keyboard, and guitar. 
We do the songs in the original key of the album. Right, which Billy... Billy has dropped, dropped at least a whole step or more. That's what happens when somebody gets a little older and they can't quite hit those notes anymore. Right, and right. there's three of us that were on the records. So we actually sound more like Billy Joel than Billy Joel. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. Now, you, you, um, how much writing was responsible from the band in the songs? Maybe not the lyrics, but the music and all that. Well, uh, Phil Ramone was asked... Uh, Phil Ramone, our producer, yeah. was asked uh, what made Billy the phenomenon that he became. And Phil said, Billy wrote great songs and his band came up with great arrangements. Yeah. And that's hard to do. I mean, you gotta, you're trusting your, your baby with the, with, you know, you're giving it to somebody else and asking them to, to, to help raise your baby. And when it works, it works wonderfully. That's why I always say, if Billy's the father of those songs, I was the uncle. Yeah. yeah. Now, we were saying off the air that you were saying if you didn't play on the records, you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't have bought them. <laughs> were, you, were you not, I mean, like, were you not a fan of that genre of music? What, what did you listen to when you were younger? Well, before Billy, I was listening to, like, Cream and Hendrix. Okay, and all so that the heavier of, stuff. Know, which Billy also always loved Cream and Hendrix, too, but he wasn't a guitar player. It was hard to play, like, Foxy Lady on the piano and yeah, stuff, yeah, like, yeah. like, you know, Church Lady playing the organ, you know? Do you think that hurts Billy? Because um, uh, he did play guitar in, in the later years, right? Like, in the late 80s, maybe one or two songs. The guitar really wasn't on up front. Right, just a, just a showpiece. That's the same yeah. as Mike playing bass. Uh, that is not true. I play bass, um, just not very well. Uh, okay, so do you like? I heard Howard Stern say to um, uh, Pete Townsend, "Do you think that you have anger because you've written all these great songs, but you can't sing them? You have to give them to Roger to sing, and that's got to be frustrating for you a little bit." And, and I thought, here is a guy like Billy Joel, who writes these great songs and plays that, but he's got to sit in front of this giant piece of wood and he can't rock out like he wants you. That's got to be frustrating. Right, you can't pick it up and whip it around right, and turn right. to the audience behind you. No, no. Yeah, that's got set, Well, you've seen the pianos all over the stage. Yeah, 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 so you can move. Well, I remember at that giant stadium concert, it started to rain a little bit, and he said, look, I can play an electric thing that won't lose tune. This may go out of tune, but I'd much prefer to do this. And I was like, yeah, I guess that makes yeah. a little sense. Nobody yeah. cared at that point. <laughs> nobody, uh, nobody cares no, anymore. No, no. <laughs> uh, this is great. If you're a fan uh, of Billy Joel's music, these guys are tonight at the Capitol Theater, the Lords of 52nd Street. Uh, tickets have been on sale, so they are going quick. So if you want to go, you can go to RuthEckerHall.com and buy them right now and see these original members of the old school uh, Billy Joel band. Now, now you and Richie and... Uh, um, and now, who is the guy? There is one guy that still plays with him, the other horn guy, right? The other saxophone oh, player? Yeah, we won't mention Oh, we don't like that guy? Yeah. I like to call him the uh, spineless jellyfish. <laughs> 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 now, but, but can I ask you this? How does he get to stay in the band? Does he turn on you guys? Or, or like, why did he, like, keep that guy and get rid of the rest of the guys? He's he kisses Billy in the right spot. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. Well, I mean, that's a, it's probably obvious to, to the people who know the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I love it. I love your... You You only get this kind of answers from a guy who's from Brooklyn. Um, uh, there was something else I want to ask you about. Uh, oh, the, the guy who uh, took his own life. Yeah, Doug. Doug. Now, uh, I learned about that from, from Hired Gun. Yeah, and that was a very sad situation. And anybody who's been in in a you know, I I was doing radio for a while, and um, I got a big opportunity to to go to a radio station, and my wife was pregnant with my first child, and three months into it, I got fired, and I got fired, 
and I was like, I have a kid coming now. What am I going to do? It's a panic situation. And then you're worried, will I ever get back to the spot that I was in? Was that the situation with Doug, where he's like, I, all I know is being in Billy Joel's man. Exactly. And that's been yanked away from me. That was exactly it. Um, he couldn't bear to go see a con- He would come to see us play, because yeah. we were still there, me and Russell. And, and uh, he couldn't bear to see somebody else playing his parts that he created. Yeah. You know, and it just got to him. I, I would imagine that's got to be very hard to, to do, because especially when you're not necessarily the star in the band... I mean, even even uh, not Billy, but even some of the other musicians, uh, it's it's hard to imagine what you're gonna what your next step is, and you probably have to start over, and well, you, and you it's know, still carrying on without you. I had a lot of help from one person, and uh, I'm sad because she just passed away. Ronnie Spector, really. Oh yeah, yeah. She uh, took me under her wing. I I played with her for a long time, and you know we used to talk in her dressing room. She'd tell me about Phil Spector and what she what how he what he did to her yeah. and her career, and then we talk about Billy. You know, yeah. When you can relate to other people and see that they were still able to, yeah, to you know thrive after after major changes, then that's a that's a, a positive sign. Yeah, you got to keep going forward. It was very sad, but I got to tell you that documentary really shed a lot of light on what a crappy business the music industry is. I mean, there, there are so many. I mean, these guys that are uh, you think, oh, they're millionaires. They're delivering pizza on the side so that they can play drums on somebody's album. Got one guy when he wanted to race. Yeah, Go down the corner, there's a pizzeria yep. looking for help for yep. a driver. That's, that's, that's from uh, Filter, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy yeah. from Filter, yeah. How about Rob Zabi talking about if you got to replace somebody? There's a thousand guys that can play the part. You yeah. break it down until how can you hang out with at least with two guys? Maybe. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, that's the truth. You got to live on yeah. the road. You might as well find a guy more that you're more that you're friends with than anything else. Right. Uh, I, I think it's. Uh, are you when you look back at it now? So I remember last time we had you on the show, we had you on the phone. You said that you and Billy have had reconciled. You had, uh, yes. had dinner together. Yes, we did. We uh, had a couple of meals together. Um, he what? wrote the forward to my book. Oh yeah, called Life, Billy, and the Pursuit of Happiness. Did, did, now, for the first contact, had you had you attempted to contact him and weren't able to, or the first time where you, he was like, you know, like probably it was enough time had passed with you where you're like, you know what, let's just do this. Yeah, I said, you know, we're getting old and uh, people are dying around us. Yeah. I said, I'd like to mend this. I was disappointed in the way it ended. And he's, he wrote me back immediately. He said, I was disappointed too. What are we yeah. doing, emails? Yeah. Emails, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I said, we're coming down to Florida because he's... Winters in Florida, right? And I said, "Let's meet for a meal," you know. And he says, "Yes, let's do this." We met at a little diner, had breakfast. <laughs> if I was in a diner and I look over and I'm like, I don't know, I, I think that's Billy Joe and Liberty DeVito, but I also took acid once, so that might be, <laughs> might be know, that was, flashback. Be when you first see him, are you does all the love rush back or anger? Yeah, the the, the love. There the was love. no anger at all, and we didn't even talk about that kind of stuff. We just, just talked about our children that we have now, the older kids, what they're doing, people that have passed away, people who are sick. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, people always ask me if you saw Billy walking down the street, you know, when this whole thing was going on, what would you do? I said I would go up to him, put my arms around him, say, "Bill, I love you," and give him a kiss. Yeah. Well, when we parted ways, we stood there. He put his helmet on him. He's getting on his motorcycle to go home, and I just hugged him. I said. Bill, I love you. I kissed him on the cheek, and he said, "I love you too, Lib." No, that's good. And now, yeah, now that big weight is off the both of you, right? Yeah, that's a that's a smart way to do it. You realize when you get older, you don't have you you don't know how many years you have left. Why would you want to take that anger right. to the grave? Yeah, take that to the grave. He was my best buddy for the longest time. We had Thanksgivings, Christmases all together with our families. Yeah, N- never though apologize for anything. 
You don't apologize. You, 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 you know, I know. Right, okay, that's hey, he good. He wrote the forward to my book. Uh, and that's his way of saying, hey, yeah, I get you, I get you. Okay. Yeah, and I didn't ask him for money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> it was great because we were sitting there, and, and he wants to wind it down. You know, he's getting older. Traveling yeah. is, is getting harder. And uh, I didn't want my gig back. Yeah, so it was, so it was easy to have it's it there. just yeah. friends now. I, um... I, you like that idea of the residency at Madison Square Garden just playing there? Yeah, I, th- I think he brought Vegas to New York. Yeah, but I mean, think about it. You don't. He doesn't have to travel. No, you can play. I mean, what is he? How many resetting records for how many shows he does? Is yeah, no ending I think in it's sight. Up to three million now or something like that. It's great money. It's and it's it's on automatic pilot because you're getting the same jokes, the same songs, and all the same thing. Uh, do you have a favorite song from that era? No. Um, no, I can tell you what songs I don't like. Okay, oh, please, that's fine. <laughs> my worst yeah. song I, I hate is My Life. My Life. Why? I just don't think it's a good song. I don't I don't mind that song. There are some that I'm like, it just doesn't, like when, especially, he plays some live, and I'm like, out of all the songs, why are we playing this? Yeah, but My Life is the one you don't like, huh? My, well, I, I, there's a couple on the album cuts, like Christy Lee and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, uh, garbage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but my life, my life has that piano thing. Da, 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 da. After yeah. we get off the air, I'll tell you. I was, he asked, I got to write lyrics to this. I said, I got lyrics for you. And I told him these lyrics, but I can't tell you on uh, the air. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it's an instrumental now. Yeah, yeah, I got you. <laughs> now, all right, do you, what, I'll throw some songs to you. Uh, like, I, Only the Good Die Young is probably one of the, uh, I think, the best song. And uh, then you get into the dramatic. You know, that, that was a reggae song in the beginning. Well, he'll tell you that in every concert. Yeah. <laughs> he'll even play the reggae version of it. Threw yeah. stuff at him and, yeah, and yeah. said that. Terrible. Yeah, so that's true, the story he tells. Yeah. You're like, you can't do this. No. Okay, and then, uh, because I went to Catholic school, so that was always meant something to us. <laughs> and then uh, Everybody Loves Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. Yes. Which is a great epic song the yeah. whole way through. Do you enjoy playing that, or is that boring to you after a No, while? I like that one. You did like that that's one. That's fun. Yeah, What's your favorite drum song to play? Well, um, uh, Angry Young Man is fun. Angry you know, Man. everybody says, oh, that, that must be so hard. No, Extremes in Miami 2017, those are harder because yeah. it's like from the beginning to the end, you're, you're powerhousing. At least uh, scenes uh, and Angry Young Man, they have these Ups breaks. Down, yeah. Yeah. I love Extremes, which was I weird because that wasn't like the other Billy songs. And then when it came out, I was like, I like this song. And I related to it a lot. Well, I came up with a beat, and, I, and it was like a boom, da, boom, boom, da, boom, boom. And I said, write a song to that. Yeah. And he, and he didn't. I had a straight the drum beat out, but the lyric goes the, the, the way beat. the beat goes. So I'm tired. I'm tired. Yeah. yeah. And I can relate to that song because that's. Sure. I think I mean, that's, that's, what that's we a lot like. of guys. Yeah. You know? uh, I, for some reason, in my 20s, Vienna hit me. I yeah. felt like. That for me, I connected to that song, and I kind of—I don't even know really what it meant, but in my mind, I had an idea what it meant, and it put things in perspective. And I—I I think that might be my favorite song. Yeah, it is a great one. It is that a great is song, a great and uh, and sometimes they do this thing uh, where he comes out on stage and he says, "We'll give you two songs. Do you want to hear this one or this one?" Does that ever change? No, you're you're always going to hear. We already going to ask the two that we know what the answer is. Oh, you know what? The, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no ever calling shots in there, like changing the the lineup or anything, is there? No, no. no. Anytime there's, there's something called, it's like if you're going to skip something. Yeah, don't, don't do <laughs> don't do it. I I went to see uh, Billy play recently, a couple of years ago, in Orlando for New Year's Eve. I'm not a big go out on New Year's Eve kind of guy. Right. 
my son, I thought he'd enjoy going to the show, and uh, my sister and my wife, we went, and Brian Johnson from ACDC was there, and he went up on stage and, and sang a song, and I was like, I could see it in his eyes. He wants to rock out so hard like Brian Johnson does, and it's got to hurt him that he's a piano nerd. <laughs> yeah, that, piano that, nerd. that's the thing. Like, he can't write guitar songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, I want to remind everybody, this is Liberty DeVito, one of the greatest rock and roll drummers. His band, the Lords of 52nd Street, with some of the original members of Billy Joel's band, like he is, are playing tonight at the Capitol Theater. Tickets are available. You can go to get them at ruthecordhall.com. I wouldn't wait until the walk-up, because uh, you don't want to... You don't want to get there and it be shut out. Richie Kanata is there. Liberty's there. Russell Jabbers is there. And a uh, guy who sings in the original key doing the Billy parts. Now, uh, we talked off the air. You have a uh, five-year-old daughter? I do. I have three that are in their 30s and 40s. Right. And then one that's five. I would imagine this is not the same mother as the other children. <laughs> <laughs> they basically all have different mothers. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, the true and, life and of this, a rock and roll star. And this mother was much younger. You yeah, know, yeah, I, yeah. I tell people, I say, you know, you got, you got an old car. You bring it to the car dealership. You don't get another old car <laughs> right, like right, that. Right. You get a new one with right. low mileage on I it. I tell my wife I'm about to trade her in at any point. Now. Any point. <laughs> any point. So, so um, now, this is... Uh, if I can get, get a little personal here, when you're in a when you're in a rock band, yes. I know what that's like. When you're in a Billy Joel band, what is the opportunity for for girls and groupies and all that? Like they're not they're not Billy's not doing meet and greets. He's not doing a lot of people backstage. There's no big cocaine parties happening anymore. How is it that you're that you're meeting these chicks and all that these days? Like that's the whole point of being in a band. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's be honest. The problem, the good, problem but... is, you know, when, when we say, "Hey, can you show us your boobs?" Yeah. You lift up the trench coat and sit <laughs> down by their feet. <laughs> Brett Michaels from Poison said that he goes, "You know, I do shows now, and the women who." were loving me when I was in Poison there, and they're bringing their daughters to the gig, and there's a whole new generation, and he's like, and I got low-hanging boobs and high boobs everywhere. It's hilarious. <laughs> I, I just, what I mean is, like, it doesn't seem like that's a big, uh, a groupie kind of band for you. I'm sure they're out there, but, I mean, I don't know how you interact. Oh, with yeah. Well, in the, in the day... You know, we had the song Just the Way You Are. Oh, we, yeah, the girls were like, I can't believe you can relate to us. Uh, can't believe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's but, great. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I come here a lot. I have a, a bunch of friends in, in uh, the Tampa, uh, oh, yeah. St. Pete area. We do this thing called the Sessions. It's uh, a bunch of people, lawyers and roadies and musicians and we go to colleges and uh, talk about like you could be in the music business you don't necessarily have to play an instrument yes but you could be in the music business you know and it's a great thing i actually i actually went so billy did a thing at uh, a place called the palladium in st pete very small venue a couple hundred people and it was through uh college and it was that sort of thing where he would come out there and do a couple of songs but it was mostly about the music business right. very similar to this and uh i I was trying to bribe my way in. I was offering to buy a kid from college his books for the entire <laughs> tuition for the year because you had to be a student to get in. And thankfully, that lovely lady over there got me in, and I went there. And um, and I thought that was really it was a really good opportunity for people to stand up and say I'm a third school business major and I'd like to do this. And and here's a guy who. Uh, much like you, has been in the ups and downs of the music business. Who better to give you advice? I think that's great that you take the time to do that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, uh, you know, because they, they want to know, you know. It's time to give back. I mean, I'm 71 years old now. And yeah, but you don't just do, you do, you do a lot well, of things. You're supposed to say you don't look. You don't look. Well, yeah. Sorry, Thank you. Sorry. Then, then yeah. you tell me. Yeah, you, you do a lot of stuff with uh, charity for you bringing instruments to kids and stuff. I think that's... rock, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's awesome because... 
when I was a kid, I remember I had a desire for a short time because they had all these TV commercials of somebody playing the saxophone, and I thought, I want to be that guy sitting in my window on the fire escape and playing. But who the hell can afford a saxophone or lessons? And you know what my mother did to me that, that I think is still the source of my anger? I went, to a, <laughs> I went to a music school. I wanted to play an instrument. And in this music school, they taught guitar, yeah. and they taught accordion. And guess which nerdy instrument she made me take lessons on? I'm oom pa and over there, don't I? and I'm like, there is no way I'm going to get laid from playing this thing. Right. The only one that got laid from the accordion is Weird Al, and even those girls weren't the caliber that they need to be. No. Uh, and meanwhile, there's people over there are playing guitar in the other room, and I'm over there, oom pa and, and I'm still mad at my mother for that. But uh, but at the time, if there was a, an after-school program or an opportunity to sit at a drum set or something, life probably would have been a little bit different. Yeah, but with the accordion, you're a smash at family functions. You know, you're Italian. you got to play all the... You know. Who needs to impress my nanny and papa? You know what I mean? <laughs> I, they already loved me as it was. it was. It was not cool at all. I remember my school did a recital, and nobody in my school knew I played the accordion. And then they were like, all right, uh, group B. And I got up, and I went up there. And you would think, everybody's like, ooh. But they're not. They were like, hey, nerd, you play the accordion? They had the... Uh, did right. not have what I had in my mind. Well, you know that joke. That what's the difference between an accordion and a trampoline? But you don't have to take your shoes off to jump on an accordion. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the absolute truth. Uh, it is very much a pleasure to meet you. I thank you for getting up early and coming in here. Go it's see fantastic. the Lords of 52nd Street at the Capitol Theater tonight, 8 o'clock. Tickets on sale at uh, RuthEckerthall.com. And uh, next time, next time you come in town, we're gonna set up the drums in here, and we'll we'll jam it out Let's live do in it. here. Yeah, I would. Uh, you know, I thought that was gonna happen today. Oh, maybe. really? Yeah, I did. I thought. I that. said to them yesterday. I go, maybe we should get because we have a, in in the studio in St. Pete. We have a full drum set. Right. And, I mean, some really great drummers have played on. Mike Portnoy played on those, those drums. <laughs> <laughs> you missed the personality? <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, an accomplished drummer. <laughs> uh, but uh, that would be great. All right, next time that's cool with you, I'll plan it for next time. Great. Great to meet you. Thank you. Go see the Lords of 52nd Street. we got to take a break. It's the Mike Calter Show. This is 1025 The Bone. You're listening to the... Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.